Welcome to Sudoku Book Club, where we finally get to the books that have been sitting on our shelves for forever. I'm Leif Nelson. And I'm Emily Miner. And today, I'm talking about Song of Kali by Dan Simmons, which is going to be the very last book from that collection of Humble Bundle, like, sci-fi and fantasy books. You got through all of them? No. I mean, oh. I've just decided this is the last one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the rest are a wash. <laughs> well, no. Okay, so I was... I'm, I'm going to do what you were going to do. I was going to talk about this at the end, but, like... So, for me, like, going through these books, like, figuring out which ones I liked, which ones I didn't like, was an interesting process. But I felt like it was an interesting process for me. But when we started this podcast, we were like, we didn't don't want it to just be, like, a book review podcast. It's not right. just talking about what is inside the text yeah. or whatever. We want where it came from, like what's been going on around it, the context around it to be interesting too. And to me, like having three books, even though they're kind of like spread out a little bit, uh, each one being from the story being, I spent 15 bucks on Humble Bundle and I got a bunch of books and now I'm reading them finally, just isn't like, I don't know, not good podcast <laughs> or at least i don't know it's just it just no, I seems, mean, I don't care. it gets very samey yeah i to get me. it and so i decided like this is gonna be the last one from it might read some more uh there are plenty more of the books in there not actually that many but and i also have other humble bundle books that are around that i would love to talk about but for some reason just saying this is from that same one is like too far for me so okay last one i'm cutting you off cut off <laughs> is that from something? i think so do you know how like sometimes you have memories of like i think this is from a movie <laughs> so i do it sometimes when it yeah. when i think of it but for me it usually turns out that it's not from anything <laughs> and i literally just made it up in my brain yeah and convinced myself that it, i was referencing something but i just look like an idiot like the fa- okay, <laughs> like the fact that for the longest time, uh, after the quote, like, I'll be back from Terminator, I would say, with big weapons. <laughs> <laughs> but like, in the accent, like, with th- big weapons. I or- thought you said guns or something. No, with I think it's guns. just like, with weapons. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, or, yeah, it might have been guns. With no, I think it was with weapons. I'll be back with, with weapons. weapons. <laughs> yeah, I, um, and like I've been saying that my entire life. Like to me, it was like a two-parter quote, <laughs> and somebody would say the quote, which in my mind was the first part of the quote, and I would finish it off, kind <laughs> of like you know, shaving a haircut, two bits. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to say the two bits, so I'd say with weapons. <laughs> And I've been saying that my whole life, and it took my dad to finally be like, I don't, what's that? Like, <laughs> what you, what did you say there? And I'm like, you know, the other part of the quote. But here's the thing. Yeah, like, okay. You've told me yeah. that, and then, like, we Googled it. Uh-huh. It is from something. It's from, like, the Simpsons. No, it's yeah, from Simpsons. Fairly Odd Parents. Right, yes. And it's Jorgen. 
who's the big buff fairy mm-hmm. who is doing an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. Yeah. And he says that, like, exact line. With weapons. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. He adds it at the end. <laughs> and I did listen to a, or watch a lot of Fairly Odd Parents as yeah. a child. So it's not my fault. <laughs> it's not my fault. Anyway. Whoa. What were yeah. we talking about? Uh, I don't think it's the end of the world that, like, oh, I got a bunch of books at the same time. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, man, I bought another book at the local bookstore. What a boring story. <laughs> like, I don't know. Just something about it being online just feels very sterile. Hmm. And just like. I guess. I, I think know. it's just because you've already told the story about the Humble Bundle. Yeah, I don't need to explain it again. Like, for me, I feel like my version of the Humble Bundle for you is half price books. <laughs> like, Half yeah. of my episodes, I'm just like, well, it has a half price book sticker on it, so I probably got it at least three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all of the stays. So, perfect. <clears throat> uh, so, yeah. Last one. Song of Kali. Dan Simmons is a science fiction writer. I know about him because of the Hyperion series, which is like a sci-fi spacefaring one. I know about it because there is a... There's a monster. It has a name that's very imperial sounding. Mm. I, like it, it's, I don't, I don't remember what it's called. Um, but I've seen several versions of the cover where it's like this monster and it's like hunting like a man in a spacesuit or something similar. Um, I think, I, I want to say it's kind of like a sci fi horror, but I can't remember. I've never read the books, but that's how I know Dan Simmons. And this, I want to say, if it's not his first book, it's near his first book. Like, it's very early, um, and it is a horror novel. It is um, it. The main character is. I'm going to butcher a lot of names in here. This name is Polish, but another a lot of the other names are uh, Indian. Um, and the main character is Robert Luzak, um, who is a American writer. He's married to an Indian woman. Um, they have a child together. And uh, he is a he's a writer and he's a poet and he's also he writes about poetry. So like he is uh, he gets this gig essentially to go hunt down this Indian poet who was thought to be dead, but writings have been resurfacing and are being attributed to him. Um, and all the characters are in, the, in this are fictional, but. Um, there are like references to real things that are going on. So like the poet M. Das, it's like M, it's like a very poetic name. M. Das uh, is fictional. Robert Luzak is fictional and all the characters he interacts with are fictional. Um, Cause I looked it up and I was like, like did a famous Indian poet like die in this way or something? No. And, and basically they go to India And the horror in this horror novel is essentially, wow, India sucks. (laughs) Um, Jesus Christ. It is. Oh, my God. You made it through. Okay. So, yeah. I I need to get through this. because I apologize. This is. I don't think this is a good book. But it's very well written. Like, I was engaged the whole way through, even as I was like groaning and stopping as like just like racism is like seeping out of it um it's a really drawn out book like there there's like 
basically as he's doing this, he kind of like figures out that the return of this poet is like linked with a cult um, of Kali, one of uh, the Hindu goddesses. And uh, like, there's all this like stuff going along. Like he's not sure who he can trust. Cause he's he begins to suspect that some of the people like who are like one of the people who's his guide or something might be involved in this cult. And it's very creepy, but like it just is drawn out for so long. I was getting so bored, like reading through it. But again, I was engaged because I was like, I wanted to know like what was going on. Um, so in the end, it's a very unsatisfying book. Mm-hmm. The plot can, is basically, hey, MDOS is supposed to be back. We want you to go and like see if he's, this is legit. And if so, like, get an interview with him or something like that. Then go to India, be disgusted and horrified by the state of specifically Calcutta or Calcutta, however you pronounce that, um, which is a very large city. And uh, like, there are so many references to like writings of people who have just hated Calcutta and just like talking about how it's literally evil, like the place Mm. it is. Um, Mm -hmm. and getting like, just like being disgusted by all the humanity that's in it. Um, yeah. Disgusting. It really is. Like, it's just, it just, I felt gross reading and I want to be extra clear in case it's not apparent. I was grossed out by the writer, not by the description of the city. Like, and, and then, um, there's all this mystery going on. Some of it very interesting, some not. Um, when he finally gets to the bottom of the mystery, it was actually kind of interesting. Um, and then it ends with their baby getting kidnapped and uh, murdered. And Wow. And that's the end of it. Um, that's and, it? And then it's not clear if any of the supernatural stuff that's been happening actually happened or not. Like, it's just sort of like, oh, it might have just been uh, like that weird Calcutta air or whatever, like what making the... it's wait, it's... is this a series or just one nope, book? It's just a, it's just a novel, just one off. Yeah. And I'm not saying like, Oh, it made them hallucinate everything. I'm saying like, it's just Calcutta. It's evil. Like don't go there. <laughs> wow. So, huh? That's the book. Okay. I don't feel like going into many details about like, a lot of it. Like That's I said, fine with me. there's some interesting stuff. I kept reading it despite my better impulses to stop. Um, and in the end, I was disappointed. It wasn't... Overall, the book was did not have a lot of horror. Did not have a lot of satisfaction in like what was going on. The ending like felt like it was trying to be a thriller, but it mostly just felt like... Um, the main character was being like lugged around as dead weight by a competent Indian man who like was also trying to get away from uh, the cult. And like, it just like, as soon as we met that guy and he was like, they, they happened to be in the same cell and they both or, or they broke out. Or I can't remember the specifics. Like I was at me like, no, I want to follow him. I want him to be the character that, like, I'm hearing the inner thoughts of and things like that. Like, he kind of understands things and, like, also is from the area and, like, he would make a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, all of the racism 
that's going on is like what I've mentioned. It's just like, oh, there are people like urinating in the streets. There's like livestock going through the the streets are crowded. It's dirty. Like all these things. Oh, the horror. Yeah. And it's like it is. So I like I have notes and like the only way I can like think of it, it's like this racism of like distance. It's just describing things like without not even context, but without any like actual humanity to it. It is simply describing the surroundings and the people like they're objects that are like strange and alien and completely unknowable. Leave. I'm sorry, but do you know what this book actually is? What? It's not a horror novel at all. It's actually just an ethnography. (laughs) I mean... But, like, for real, so many ethnographies, especially... I mean, I don't want to make it sound like this only happened back in the day when anthropologists were first starting to, like, go and study other Mm -hmm. people. It still happens, um, but, like, that's very much, like, ooh, how different, how mm-hmm. how uncivilized, right. like, and it, it's the same way, like, they're not real people in a lot of ways. It's just, like, ooh, things are different here, and mm-hmm. that's bad, and yeah. yeah. It makes me think there's a thing I don't like that happens in a lot of, it happens in movies Um, whether it's fiction or like a documentary of some sort where like when someone goes to another, usually a white person goes to another country, there's like establishing shots and it's usually some landmark that everyone can recognize and then like busy streets. And then like, this is more of a documentary thing. It'll like, it'll just show you some of the people and a thing I really hate that will happen in a lot of documentaries is filming people who are just doing their everyday lives stuff but it's just them when they're sitting still and just looking and the reason i feel like documentary people do this is because it's very picturesque like it's like framed they're not moving they're not doing a lot and so like you can establish something really quick but it also makes it feel very archaeological or like it's a still life. Yeah. Like this is just a thing mm-hmm. that I'm taking an establishing shot yeah. of. Like I will take <clears throat> a shot of like people chatting or like kids playing a sport of some time, usually soccer. Like those are also like done like over and over and over again, but at least like there's humanity to them. It's not just like this blank look. Sometimes they're even like looking at the camera because they're probably checking out this person who is filming this street. And mm-hmm. they're just like, hmm, I'm going to look at this camera. And I don't know. It like a lot of the times there's just sort of like an emptiness. And this is 100% th- like something I feel like I don't know if other people feel that way. I've never heard of that. But like that's what it felt like with this. Like there aren't, unless like a character interacts with them. The people that are described are not people. They are, like, part of Calcutta. And if you have ever read a book or a review of a book where it said, like, 
the city is a character into itself or whatever. It felt like Dan Simmons was specifically writing it so that he would get a review to say that because of the way he talks about how Calcutta presses in on you and like suffocates you and all these things. And it's just like, it's just a city, my dude. Right. <laughs> like, like, I don't I... know. There's one part in the book. Um, let me find this. There is one part in the book that pushes back against all of this. And so there is an argument to be made, I'm sure, by someone who wants to spend more time on this than I'm willing to, that Dan Simmons is aware of the way he's presenting this because it's written in first person. That he's aware of the way he's presenting this and this is entirely Robert Luzak's view. Like it is purely his interpretation of what's going on around him. Because um, at one point, they're, they're t- he and his wife, um, whose name is Amrita, Amrita, I'm not sure, uh, are talking with one, um, one of their uh, guides, who is also a poet, um, another Indian poet, um, named Mr. Chatterjee. And he's talking to them and he's asking, what do you think of Calcutta? And is obviously like aware that... Robert is, like, disgusted by things and, like, freaked out. And so he's kind of, like, just, like, poking at... The Chatterjee is poking at Robert a couple of times, like, obviously trying to, like, get him to actually say, like, how much he hates it in some way or another. And so he starts, like, um, prompting him with some things and then says... uh, And then he starts talking about the poverty. And Robert says that, yeah there's definitely seems to be more poverty around here, like more visible poverty. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Chatterjee grabs a book. He says, please tell me if you find this a fair and reasonable description of Calcutta, Mr. Luzak, said Chatterjee, and began to read aloud. A dense mass of houses, so old they only seem to fall, through which narrow and tortuous lanes curve and wind. There is no privacy here, and whoever ventures in this region find the streets, by courtesy so-called, thronged with loiterers and seas, through half gla- and seas half through half-glazed windows, rooms crowded to suffocation, the stagnant gutters, the filth choking up dark passages, the walls of bleached soot, and doors falling from their hinges, and children swarming everywhere, relieving themselves as they please. And so he finishes reading that selection from a book, and Robert's like, yeah, that sounds about accurate, and Mr. Chatterjee reveals that that is a visitor's visitor's account of London in, like, uh, the 1850s. Yeah. Like, that is... Yeah, like, there's visible poverty. Like, this is a thing that happens in cities a lot. Mm-hmm. And it feels like a moment of, to, to me, it felt like a moment of kind of sanity. And then, uh, it that, that's like the only moment. Everything after that is just sort of like, oh, well, business as usual. This place sucks. I'm choking on the air itself. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll never get out of here. I didn't mean to to spend that much time talking about that, but like... No, no, that's okay. I mean, all I'll say is whoever does have more patience, maybe, and time than you to try and make that argument, I think they'd be pretty hard-pressed to make a decent one, but that's just my take. Especially since, if I'm remembering right, his wife, again, who is Indian, then, like, talks about 
no, Calcutta is like specifically evil. <laughs> and, and maybe there is something about Calcutta that I don't know. Like maybe it's a, it's like, I don't know. I'm trying to think like maybe in India, it has the reputation of like what someone would think of like, Oh, it's, it's Chicago, it's Detroit, or I don't know what. Um, which I mean, in America has its own like racial aspect, but like, I don't, again, I don't know what that would have to do. Um, what kind of reaction an Indian audience would have to that. So yeah, like that is pretty pervasive. There is some good stuff in here. Mm -hmm. And there is one part I wanted to focus on that I thought was like, this is good. Like I am thoroughly enjoying this. And that is when about halfway through the book, they still haven't found the poet and their guide, um, says, Oh, um, I know somebody back from when I was in school who like, just like, who's just come out of the blue and like, says he knows like what happened. And like, he takes him to visit. And this man, uh, whose name is Jayaprakash Muktanandaji, uh, which again, if I'm mispronouncing that, I'm sorry. And he's a former medical student who, um, basically got wrapped up in this cult that is going on and his story is super interesting it's like three chapters long like i remember when i started reading it and i got through the first chapter i'm like whoa we're gonna spend a long time with this guy um and when i was done with it and was a few chapters past that i was like that should have been like the entire story <laughs> like it would like if it was just his story about getting involved with the cult and Everything that happened, like, as a part of it, fantastic, great uh, short story. Might not be accurate. Might not be, like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what actual, like, worship of Kali is like. I'm assuming it's not a murder cult. Like, Kali is not an unpopular goddess. From, like, I've heard of her. Like, I'm assuming <laughs> uh, it is not, like, a, some dark secret sect that, like, murders people. So, but, like, the story, like, if you... If I was able to, because I'm not aware of that, like, just read it as this story where he's, um, grew up in a rural area, but he had some, like, education, and so was, he was sent into the city to specifically become a doctor, and he's not able to because he doesn't understand the city, and his experience of newly being in the city is way more interesting than robert's entering it because robert's view is that of like just Ew. choking yeah, yeah being grossed out by everything whereas his is the same as like someone who like grew up in kansas and ends up in like uh new york city or something like that where he he doesn't like everything's moving real fast he doesn't like completely have his footing and he ends up like owing a lot of debts and that's how he ends up involved in this cult because mm. his roommate convinces him that everyone's afraid of the cult if you get in with them no one's going to oh. ask you for your debts like and that's what they do so they have to like they go into like this initiation ceremony where they have to like bring a they have to kill someone and bring them to be sacrificed and so they don't want to kill someone so they go to a morgue and steal a body oh they steal God. two bodies and that like this whole thing is great like his roommate is just like it, like they're both in over their head and he's like kind of more passive his roommate is just like 
he, he's got this wild idea and he's going to go through with it. Like I'm, I was going to join this cult and I'm going to do what I have to. And so they go to the moor, they get the bodies and, uh, uh, they're able to like pretend that they killed these people and like present them. Um, but the whole thing is just like, it's really well done. It, it like, I, I was super, I was never bored during those three chapters and I was bored many times outside of those chapters. So if you ever want to get this book, find, go to chapter six, which is the <laughs> beginning of this story. It goes through about chapter eight or nine. Oh it kind of like gosh. is halfway ish. Great story. Like, 10 out of 10. <laughs> like, would recommend. Yeah. I like, you could make an entire movie out of that. I would never watch Song of Kali, the movie. I would love to watch uh, Jaya Prakash gets into a cult, the movie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that. Like, it was like emotional. There's like a bunch of like twists and turns because he's always very like, innocent and doesn't fully understand like what's going on Mm -hmm. it's just getting roped into all these things it was great Um, and that's all that this book had of worth (laughs) there were other like i said there were other good things the actual mystery once you figure it out about the poet is also interesting um but after that it's just it was just downhill and it just felt like well maybe there was no cult maybe there isn't a like a goddess who comes out to slice off the heads of her sacrifices like maybe it's all a story and then like the final three chapters like they're more maybe even four chapters their daughter gets kidnapped they wait around for a full chapter and it's just describing like their anguish and then their daughter is found dead and then they go home and then they separate for a while and then they patch things up and that's the end of the book yeah. And I didn't care. <laughs> when was this published again? In the 80s? Uh, 70s or 80s. But. Hmm. Yeah. <sighs> I don't have any questions for you. Yeah. Overall, I gotta say, not a great hit rate when it came to The Humble Bundle. I found two yeah. really good books. Like, just really top-notch books. Um, in a lot of ways, actually, I, w- I was thinking about this, the way Dan Simmons writes about like a culture that's not his own is like the exact opposite of how, um, George Alec Effinger did. Like, even if like, I'm sure George Alec Effinger got stuff wrong or like did other stuff. I at least felt like he respected the people he was writing about. Yeah. Like in any way. Like he thought they were people. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> And Dan Simmons, not so much. Hmm. Um, Don't know if I'll read Hyperion. Might not have read it beforehand, but... Now you're not so sure. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of books out there. There's a lot of, like, classic sci-fi, classic fantasy that I haven't read and might get around to. And I'm not too broken up if I don't... If I'm like, eh, I'm not going to read those books. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. uh, That's really all I have. I ranted a lot longer about no. the racism than I thought it was no, going to. No, that was to. great. That was fantastic. <laughs> Thanks for uh, calling out Dan Simmons. I mean, yeah. Do better, Dan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 30, 40 years later. For, do better. 40 to 50 years. I don't even know if he's alive. He probably is. I don't know. Well, do better anyway. Do better. So, last time you read A.D. 
after the deluge. Mm-hmm. I will be reading next time uh, A.D. after death. And that is two separate things. It doesn't, it's not A.D. means after death. A.D. after death, which is a uh, graphic novel slash like comic book series that came out that was written by Jeff Lemire and Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder wrote, I'm assuming, alongside Jeff Lemire, and Jeff Lemire does the art. And it's an image book, came out a while ago, and it's been sitting on my shelf for forever. So I think it's a good fit for the podcast. Uh, I don't know. Uh, It sounds a little off-brand. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you so much to Velt Punch for the use of their song Fighting Pose from the album His Strange Fighting Pose. If you would like to, you can follow us on Twitter, at SundokuPod. We like to post some stuff. Hopefully there have been some pictures about AD, after Mm -hmm. the deluge where I learned how to pronounce deluge because I always had heard it deluge. And that was a great Google for me when I found that out. Like it was just really informative. And for me, when I found out that thankfully I had been pronouncing it right for the entire podcast. Yeah. All right. Leave us a review uh, if you'd like. Yep. On iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. And we will see you next time. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.